Hello and welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story podcast series in association with the indicast.com. My name is Abhishek and this issue is among the most popular ones and features the richest people on the planet. And the cover story of Forbes India of the Forbes billionaire list is by Samar Srivastava who's with me on the other line. Hi Samar. Hi Abhishek. Thank you for having me. Uh, Samar you write about twin brothers from Aurangabad in Maharashtra who run two different businesses and are among 119 billionaires from India who are Anurang and Tarang Jain uh, Samar Anurang and uh, Tarang Jain are twin uh, billionaire brothers as both of them are billionaires in their own right and they run two separate non-competing companies in the auto component space Now there is a very interesting story their mother is essentially Rahul Bajaj's sister and Rahul Bajaj runs Bajaj Auto or ran Bajaj Auto then and when they moved to Aurangabad they were looking at getting into the manufacturing space and their mother i mean obviously somebody made an introduction to um the Bajaj family and that's how they started manufacturing auto components for Bajaj scooters now they themselves say that their first choice was Pune but they ended up coming to Aurangabad because at that time uh, the government would promote manufacturing in certain parts that they considered backward etc etc so there's a very interesting story you know imagine two young men who've completed their education in bombay they went to cathedral school they then went to sydenham college and you then have them going to aurangabad in the mid 80s when aurangabad was a backwater and you know start very small they persisted um, and uh, over the years they have now grown their companies to one to three three billion dollar enterprises each when it comes to market cap So Anurang's company Endurance Technologies is listed. Tarang's company Varok Engineering is in the process of you know IPOing and eventually the plan is that um, they will list sometime towards the middle of this year. Right. You write that most of their business uh, uh, quite predictably came from the Bajaj family because uh, of obvious reasons and over time they started you know expanding and branching out would it be right to say that after liberalization rather when uh, the economy opened up uh, foreign uh, companies were called into india both in two wheelers as well as the four wheeler market was the timing just right for them and it's it's been they've been you know hitting it right for the last uh, couple of decades So the timing was right for them. I wouldn't tie it to the entry of foreign or companies to India, but I would tie it to a growing market for two wheelers because initially both companies catered primarily to two wheelers and there was a rapid expansion in two wheeler and motor and scooter and motorcycle sales through the mid 90s that continued into the 2000s and that's what really really helped both companies i think along the way they were also benefited by the fact that they knew that bajaj was their main customer but they also knew that they needed to diversify their customer base to de-risk it from bajaj you know what if something goes wrong with bajaj tomorrow they'll lose all their business and so they gradually they gradually branched out and started serving other customers then in the late 2000s around 2000 well 2005 was i think um endurance's first global acquisition they started acquiring companies overseas and in doing that they've taken a tried and tested path that you know the better indian auto companies have taken where they've acquired companies abroad and managed to globalize their operations 
and and since you've met them and interviewed the two of them uh, how are they different temperamentally and how does that help in their respective businesses both the brothers acknowledge that when they split operations in 2002 so in 2002 both of them split operations and anurang took endurance technologies and tarang took varok engineering there is absolutely no cross holding today and both of them acknowledge that that was a very wise decision because obviously two people have different styles of functioning and you know if one says a and the other says b then how do you resolve it etc etc and so they both acknowledge that that was a wise decision now since then they've they've obviously led their companies in the manner they see best but they you know i i asked both of them do you ever confer with each other on business this just decisions and they said no do you ever sort of sound each other off and they said no but of course they do meet at family gatherings and you know they do they are in touch obviously both live in aurangabad that's very interesting in that uh, I, i would have imagined that the two of them would although although they run different companies business at the end of the day is 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 business and and you could learn from each other but that's just the way they work right their father is the chairman of both companies so he's he's the chairman of both their companies okay the buck stops there right talk a little bit uh, summer about the the shift uh, you very briefly mentioned about uh, from catering to india's two wheeler market to forging these tie ups overseas they also have customers uh, that include audi porsche uh, renault bmw so how did they move from an india market to an overseas one right so varok engineering acquired vistion's lighting business in 2012 and now vistion is a auto component company that was spun off from ford in 2000 and it had several auto component businesses and they gradually started selling some of them that was varok's journey they have two distinct lines of business one is the india business where they focus mainly on polymers that's essentially your plastics that that make cars and scooters lighter right so that's the india business and there are the smaller bits but that's the main, that's the core of the india business and globally they have the lighting business so it's these two distinct buckets they have now when it comes to anurang's company endurance they essentially have a lot of two wheeler components things like powertrain systems things like clutch uh, assemblies these businesses also lend themselves to four wheelers and so in in europe they bought companies that cater to these same parts of a vehicle but uh, cater to european customers and that's how they've they're now servicing everybody from jaguar land rover to uh, porsche uh, to volkswagen to even tesla motors so these are the businesses that endurance operates in and over the years uh, given the changes in technology is did you get a sense of how they kept up with it or some of the challenges that they had to face over the years and how they overcame for anurang the challenge was really that he had acquired his european companies before the lehman crisis and when the lehman crisis hit sales fell off a cliff and so profitability mm. also declined and they had all these bank loans to pay and so there were issues then with regard to paying bank loans although he says he never defaulted mm. on uh, an interest payment uh, but uh, loans had to be rescheduled etc etc right what are some of the things that they they do to ensure profitable growth consistently you do write a little bit about it in that how have they managed their debt you know instead of manufacturing everything in house they've outsourced smartly to to vendors so right so so both brothers are very clear that they don't want to grow at the cost of profits you know you have a lot of company grow sales but they don't really have any growth in profit and that's not really an ideal situation to be in and both brothers are very clear that they don't want that situation now one way in which they've tried to do that is 
Endurance has formed an Endurance Vendor Association and they've outsourced some of the operations. And as a result of which, the vendors then have to plan the uh, capacity expansion and the investments that have to be made for that. So that allows Endurance to save on CapEx costs. That's one way in which they've done that. And also, they're just very focused on the bottom line. They're focused on margins. They're focused on return on equity. And they're focused on making sure that any incremental business that comes is not at the cost of profits. For example, they won't enter a new customer and give them uh, deeply discounted pricing just to make sure that they enter and then, you know, we'll see how we can raise prices later. That's not something they usually do. Right. And the last one is, is uh, given the overseas customer base as well, uh, technology itself in the four-wheeler industry and eventually in the two-wheelers too will shift towards electric cars. There are a couple of companies who countries that will ban diesel and petrol vehicles in the next decade. Uh, how does that affect uh, their businesses, if, if at all they do? With regard to electric cars and electric mobility, I think that, look, that's, that's still a long time away in spite of what any government says anywhere in the world. I mean, even in the US where you've got subsidies, the consumers don't prefer those cars because the acceleration is just not what a conventional IC engine would give you. And look, we read enough about it, but I think it's, there's more noise uh, at present. Now, what I think will shift electric mobility sooner is public transport vehicles. So your buses, large buses, they could shift. And also your two-wheelers, your scooters and motorcycle, motorcycles, as well as three-wheeler, three-wheel transport vehicles. Those could shift to electric uh, vehicles much, much sooner than you and I imagine. I mean, it could even happen in the next three, four years. And there, you know, both brothers say that, look, a light electric two-wheeler still needs a, a light. Electric two-wheeler needs a brake. Electric two-wheeler does not need a clutch plate, but they do need a front fork. You get what I'm saying? So they're saying that their business will still go on. It's not that it's not, they're not providing a component like say a fuel tank, which will just not be there. They're pretty, uh, they're pretty sanguine about being um, able to take advantage of this opportunity. Great. Thanks, Amar. On that note, I think it's time to wrap up. Thank you very much for your time on this one. Great. Thank you, Abhishek. Thank you. And all your listeners, you can you can get this podcast on ForbesIndia.com as well as on iTunes. And to have someone call you for a Forbes India subscription, message Forbes to 51818.